to say our farewells to Sister Sophie and to also have a time of memory of her past life and um, her journey here to Toronto at the beginning and, and then at the end of her life. Um, I know there's traffic issues out there, but we are uh, ready to go. So I'd like to welcome the whole family, both here this morning. We have uh, their son, Joey Kovacic, and brother uh, Peter Dudelitz with us. And then the family is also uh, viewing this on Microsoft Teams back in Vancouver, maybe other places as well. So we'd like to welcome everyone on behalf of the Allen Spark family. We'd especially like to welcome Brother Edwin, who's been not in our midst for two and a half years, almost maybe more, because of the COVID pandemic. So it's so good to see you here, Brother Edwin, back in church. We'd like to um, begin this memorial service with hymn number 295. 295, Blessed Rest When Toiling Here Is Ended. Let's sing the first two verses to the honor and glory of God.
Before we turn to the word of the Lord, let's all bow our heads in prayer. Loving Father in heaven, it is in times like these that we especially turn to thee. In a time of grief and sorrow and sadness and in a time of saying farewell to the dear ones we love. Father, we pray that you would be with us and speak to each and every heart this afternoon now, especially the grieving family. Brother Edwin, her son Joey, Brother Peter, Sister Emilia, and the daughter Gita, who are not present with us physically. And all the nieces and grandchildren, wherever they may be. Father, we pray you would be with us and keep us and comfort our hearts. For we indeed need thee every hour. We invite thee in the precious name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. With, with the Lord's help, I'd like to turn to the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. This is perhaps one of the more well-known scriptures, not only to Christians, but to many that have heard this in song in the world. Chapter 3, the book of Ecclesiastes. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. What profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also he has set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. I know that there is no good in them but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of his labor, it is the gift of God. I know that whosoever or whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. 
Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. And God doeth it that men should fear before him. That which has been is now, and that which is to be hath already been. And God requireth what which is past, that which is past. Moreover, I saw under the sun the place of judgment, and the wickedness was there, and the place of righteousness, that iniquity was there. I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. I said in mine heart concerning the estate of the sons of men, that God might manifest them and that they might see that they themselves are beasts. For that which befalleth the sons of men befalleth beasts. Even one thing befalleth them as the one dieth, so does the other. Yet they have all one breath, so that a man hath no preeminence over a beast for all his vanity. All go into one place, all are of the dust, and all turn to dust again. Who knoweth the spirit of man that goeth upward, and the spirit of the beast that goeth downward to the earth? Therefore I perceive that there is nothing better than a man should rejoice in his own works, for that is his portion. For who shall bring him to see that which shall be after him? I read the whole chapter, and may the Lord bless the reading of the word. These last several months, maybe even the last year, we have seen and witnessed many of our loved ones that have left this life. In the book of Second Samuel chapter 2, it says, in the King James Version that we will all go the way of the earth. We will all go the way of the earth. There's one translation because it rang in my ears for many, many times that is translated in the Dewey Reams Bible that says we will all go the way of the flesh. It's the way of the flesh. As this chapter tells us, we will all return to dust. And it seems like this, the writer of Ecclesiastes is looking at life from some vantage point that seems fairly bleak and fairly um, pointless or fairly empty when you consider everything that a man goes through or a woman goes through in this life, all the pains and all the sufferings that we, we experience. And yet the Apostle Paul speaks in a very similar vein in Romans chapter 8. The, 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 the Apostle of the Lord to the Gentiles, he says, God has made everything subject to vanity. His creation... His whole creation is made subject to vanity. This same word. For what purpose? Yet he says in the beginning, every, for everything there is a time to every purpose under heaven. What is the purpose? 
And from what I understand, this is a, a sort of a dialogue between two individuals where he's making an observation. The first one is making an observation that these things are happening. And sometimes we look at these verses and say, is there really a time to kill and a time to heal? Is that what God wants us to do? No, he's just making an observation. There are times when people get killed. There are times when people get healed. There are times when people hate. There are times when people love. So what is the purpose of life? As we have heard in many sermons that we said farewell to our loved ones in the recent past and in the past, many suffered. Many went through great hardships and trials. But we know that the end was blessed. The end was blessed. And so if you go to, I'm going to go back to the very end of this book in chapter 12. There's a conclusion in chapter 12. The conclusion of all this matter that came in the first 11 chapters is this. Chapter 12, verse 1. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. While the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when I sh thou shalt say, I will have no pleasure in them. While the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. And he goes through metaphors or word pictures of the body of the human being and how it begins to close down and how it ends up in the way of all flesh. But at the end of this chapter, in, in chapter 11, in, in uh, chapter 12, Verse 10, it says, The preacher sought to find out acceptable words, and that which was written was upright, even words of truth. The words of the wise are as goads and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies, which are given from, from one shepherd. And further, by these, my son, be admonished. He's talking to this person that's writing in the previous chapters. To these, my son, be admonished. Of making many books, there is no end. We can have all kinds of explanation and explanations to the predicament of life. And much study is weariness in the flesh. But what is the conclusion? This is the conclusion. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. And there are things that are very visible and very noticeable and very evident to God that may not be evident to us. But remember, one main key word in this chapter of Ecclesiastes 3 was what every one of us need to take and pay attention to. Time. Time. Time is a commodity that we cannot change. It's on the x-axis, time. 
And whatever happens on the y-axis, there are things that we can do to make it go up or down. But there are things that we cannot do for others to make it go up and down, to get a trajectory or a trend. But God says what we can do, the conclusion of the whole matter, is to fear God and keep his commandments. I, I, I learned a, a new word. I've heard of it before, but I learned a new word. It's called vicissitudes. So when you, you read about what others have to say about this chapter, he talks about the vicissitudes of life. And the vicissitudes are the points of turning back and forth, back and forth. And it's not usually in a pleasant way. But God has made us subject to this. Things can happen suddenly, as they did with Sister Sophie. They can happen suddenly, and they're outside of our control. Like many of these things in this chapter, they're outside of our control. And so, because this is about a memorial to Sister Sophie, I'd like to just go through some of her life that we can remember her by. And those that have, weren't familiar with her story can understand what she went through together with her family, her parents, her children. Many, many times I used to look at pictures that I obtained from, from Brother Dushko, uh, Hil, uh, Jakob Hildenbrand, who traveled with Brother Dusko Yevramov through Italy to visit the refugees in these camps. And we talked about that. Brother Peter has got fond memories of that. He was in there with my brother Mike, getting up to mischief, I understand. But we were there for a long time. My family for nine months, his family for two years in 1959 and 1961. And I would look at these pictures and say, oh, this is where the, this is the doodlets. Is, I know because I, I was told this were, these were in camp with us. The father's at the back and the mother and so forth. And I never thought that maybe would I meet them one day until I listened to Sophie's testimony in Kitchener Strasbourg Road when she got converted. And when she began to bring these stories up, it just welled up a warm feeling in me that there's a connection. My parents knew her parents. My siblings knew her siblings. So she was uh, like many that fled Yugoslavia. She was in this, um, uh, there were several camps in Italy. And she grew up there with relief from the oppression in Yugoslavia, but longing to, to move to another place, as many of us were. And they ended up in Kitchener uh, in about 1961. And she started there worshipping in that church with, together with the family, together with the parents, and was part of the CFG. Brother Frank and company and Lydia, Sister Lydia and, and Ellie would, would remember that. And uh, she really enjoyed that until the family moved to BC, Vancouver. And that was around about... 1970 or so, 71. During her stay there, uh, she, she went and took a course in, or, or 
to become a notary public, a notary public, and she learned the law and she began to work for the RCMP in various divisions. Uh, and she was a real estate agent for 30 years when she, I guess, uh, was over there as well. So she had many um, careers, many opportunities. She got married at a relatively young age. And the first hardship was when she was divorced. And then the family was broken up. And that made her think, right after the divorce, she came to Kitchener. She wanted to start a new life. And she came to Kitchener uh, in about 2014 and found her old friends again and started worshipping there. She, she met up with Ellie, Sister Ellie and Sister Lydia and started worshipping there. And that's how I managed to, uh, we managed to hear a testimony at the, at the testimony night. But her, as I mentioned, her life was up and down, back and forth. And every one of us will suffer these hardships, some more, some less. It's what we do with those hardships that really um, matters, as, as Ecclesiastes 12 says. What is the conclusion? What, what will the end be? Because our life on earth is a sliver compared to eternity. This chapter says that God has put eternity in our hearts. The world, in, in the King James Version, he has put it, the world in our hearts, which in the Hebrew is olam. And olam means eternity. There's this longing to come back to our creator. There's this longing to be part of something bigger than the the the. the, the trials and tribulations of this earth and of this world. She, we have a testimony, we're thankful to have this testimony, and I think she may have used this during her testimony night too, uh, when I went to visit Brother Edwin, uh, uh, Peter and, and Joey at their place, and I managed to uh, sum it up in two pages, because there was some replication. But this is what she said, some of the things that happened to her in, in Vancouver. There was one time when she was walking down, downtown in, in Vancouver, and she noticed his vehicle speeding along the road. And he was holding a weapon. And he started discharging it. It was a taser. And she with a quick thinking, jumped out of the way and threw books against, I think it were the books against the glass door of a bank, knowing, because of her legal, I guess, experience, that that was set off the cameras because she thought she was going to die. And she wanted to die at least with a witness that they would capture her death on these cameras. Well, thankfully, she didn't get hit much. There was a little bit of, of that radiate whatever it was electrical current that that may have tipped her but she was thankful and gave god the glory for saving her life and she believes that god in many cases in her life saved her from death she believes that god is the the, the word god is the most powerful word in the world 
And when you combine that with please, please, God, I guess she was trying to say, it enabled God's grace to surround her and protect her, a sinner like her. That was her words. Well, having gone through a lot of these experiences, she realized what she had to do. In the beginning, she thought her answer to problems in her life was to work harder and longer to get more money, but that was a continuous vacuum. This is the emptiness that we're talking about. This was the continuous vacuum that was always there, emptiness present in the back of her mind. And then after 9-11, she received the fear of God, and after the divorce, she came to, to Kitchener and realized that she had to give her life to God. Her priorities changed in life. Now this testimony, I'm thankful that was, she wrote it. We have her, what, she, what was going through her mind at the time. She said she gifted her BMW, her real estate assets, to her son and daughter. She donated her computer, a big screen, all the belongings she had, the furnishings, designer clothes, everything to the church in Vancouver to be sold by the church to enable teenagers in the Vancouver church to attend church camps in the States. Basically, she came here empty-handed from what I gather. She was so thankful that she could walk 25 minutes to church every Sunday to attend church services. She considered the church in Kitchener a little slice of heaven, the ability to fellowship in the church and in several churches in the area, Richmond Hill, Toronto, Ancaster. So she was very thankful for that. But in her times of difficulties, in her times of danger and threat, and while, while, such as walking on the streets in Vancouver, she would always hum church hymns that would give her courage, encouragement, strength. And especially, Jesus loves me. This I know. Sophie had a difficult life. But we're thankful, and so was she the most, that she could come back, not only to Kitchener, but come back to God. Come back to the one that understands her best, that knows her best, and that is willing, more than willing, to forgive her sins and ours. My memories of Sophie was she'd always sit in the back chair, the back bench, the first one. And she'd be there with a hymn book and she'd, she'd love to sing. She loved singing. And sometimes she'd make a dash after services and, and tell me, Brother Doug, we're going to Kitchener this afternoon. Oh, I'd like to go here with, with, with Eddie and we'd like to extend greetings and, and take our greetings. She loved to sing. And I believe she loved to sing with with Ellie on the piano or the organ together, in their times together. Spent a lot of time with Sister Ellie and Sister Lydia. And sometimes you would see her at the piano here during lunchtime playing. 
she had quite the gift even with that. I don't know if she did that at home. And, uh, my understanding, they lived with mom and dad for some time as well, and, and she was really enjoyed doing that. But things never left her. Things that she had learned as a child. Stuck with her. And in talking with Brother Peter, um, when you talk about things like that, all these memories come back. And he's the best time he ever had was in Italy, right? You know, when you were under this Italian pine playing. God gives us a memory that we don't forget. That we don't forget what we have been taught by our parents, by our grandparents. Um, Joey was telling me how he was uh, also living with his grandparents for some time and he just loved the grandparents and their way of life and especially the cooking. But that's where he learned the Bible as well, right there. And many times we think the grass is always greener on the other side, but God has placed you there for a reason. God has placed us amongst believing parents. When this world is going this haywire, if you will, that is described here in Ecclesiastes 3, it's always good to go back to the basics, to the roots. My prayer is for Brother Edwin, that God will be your comfort, that God will be your strength and, and shield. Because you're basically living alone now. And God will provide. We pray that and we sincerely believe that. And I know he has still uh, um, Brother Peter and Joey here that came to visit him and that, that there will be communication there as well. And Sister Barbara, you've been the right-hand man to, to Brother Edwin may continue to give you the grace and the strength to do so as Brother Edwin will need your help as well. And also to the church. Remember the widows, the widowers, the fatherless. We had a message on this a few weeks back. How serious God sees that, that we look after his own, that we care for his own and our brothers and sisters. In conclusion to this memorial service, I would like to ask that we blend our voices together. And before I do that, I'm, I've got a list of hymns. I don't think we'll sing them all, but uh, Joey gave me another list just now because he, he remembered a few things since then. She loved Jesus Loves Me. She loved um, just as I am, without one plea, standing on the promises of God, and oh, lift up mine eyes, my spirit. When comes the time, Lord, and when may I go? All from the, these last two from the Zion's heart. Let's sing to the honor, glory, God. I don't know which one to pick out of this one, but um, let's sing from the Zion's heart. Oh, hymn number 272, the one that he gave me last. And let's sing. There's only three, three verses. Let's sing all three verses. 
of hymn number 272, to the honour and glory of God.
everyone can stand for a prayer, but the family can remain seated, please. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord, indeed, thou art the one who hast all power. Our very breath is in your hands. Lord, it is you who has chosen to the times, the time for us to be born and the time for us to die. And we are often surprised. But yet we know that you have done all these things, even subjecting us to vanity, to corruption in love. That we might turn to the source, to the one whom we need, will face beyond this death's door. That we might make ready and be prepared Lord, we're thankful that Sophie did remember the creator of her in, in the days of her youth and, Lord, that she did turn back. And, Father, we are thankful that we have this hope and that we can see in heaven those that we love who have made themselves ready. We just pray for for grace to take this opportunity to make ourselves ready and to take seriously this, this opportunity. Father, we pray especially for our dear brother Edwin, who has been left without a helpmate. Lord, we pray that I was provide for him not only the grace and strength, but even those who could come alongside and to help him, Lord, as he has been so generous, Lord, that we can also show him and reflect to him the love that he has shown and the love in our, for, of our Savior for him as well. Father, we pray for his grieving son and daughter and brother, Sister, Lord, that you would also provide grace for them as well and comfort. Lord, that even as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we would fear no evil because thou art with us. Thy presence is the God, the staff, the strength, the comfort, the correction that we need. Father, we place ourselves in your hands knowing they are loving hands and that you have prepared for us a table you've prepared for us a dwelling place that surely in goodness and mercy will dwell, be blessed for the rest of our days because of this good shepherd and his care and so we can trust ourselves in your hands in Jesus name amen you may be seated. This time I'd like to read uh, the eulogy for Sophia as our, in our conclusion to this memorial service. 
On June 24, 2022, Sofia Kovacic Allensbach, at the age of 74, peacefully departed for her eternal home at dawn. She is survived by her, her husband Edwin Allensbach, her daughter Gita Madlung, and son in law Don Madlung, with their children Briston, Raylan, Oakland, and Maven her son Joseph Kovacic, and her two siblings, Peter Dudeletz and Amelia Fowler. She will also be remembered by her 10 nieces and nephews. Born in Alibunar, Yugoslavia, to Peter Dudeletz Sr. and Sofia Bundreya, Sofia was the second of four children, Olga, Sofia, Amelia, and Peter. Their property was seized by the communists and they escaped on foot over the mountains into Italy where she and her brother were taken by the Carabinieri to the station and the rest of the family was picked up by truck. From there, they were placed in a refugee camp in Trieste, Italy from 1959 to 1961 until they were accepted into Canada. In 1961, they immigrated to Kitchener, Ontario, where she attended Forest Heights and graduated from Eastwood Collegiate. She worked as a legal assistant in Kitchener until 1970, where she moved to British Columbia. In 1973, she married Stan Kovacic in Burnaby, British Columbia, who had immigrated from Bratislava, Slovakia, to Canada in 1968. In 1976, their son Joseph was born. In 1978, their daughter Gita was born. They attended the Apostolic Nazarene Church in Port Coquitlam. She continued to practice real estate, notary public, and volunteering for the RCMP whilst in British Columbia. In 2014, she retired and moved back to Kitchener and attended the Strasbourg Apostolic Christian Church in Kitchener. In 2016, she was baptized and married Edwin Allensbach. They visited many churches, including Avon Road, Ancaster, Richmond Hill, and Kitchener, and enjoyed vacationing in Florida. As a gentle, loving sister, she was cherished by so many of us who were blessed to have had her in our lives. God's grace endures and will carry her through. With that, we will con conclude our memorial service. Um, there is some refreshments, some cake and coffee prepared downstairs, and you're welcome to, to uh, stay behind and to visit with the family uh, during that time. With that, we'd conclude the service. <laughs>